My name is Keith Beavers, and Adam Teeter, CEO of VineBear, has assured me because he read an article about it that that button of closing the door in the elevator, it's actually a placebo. Actually. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Fevers. I am the tasting director of Vine Pair. Vine Pair Keith on Insta. And what is going on? Okay, so we're going to go from the Pacific Northwest all the way to where it all began. Virginia. Virginia is for lovers. And now it's for wine. Well, it was and it wasn't and it was. We'll get into it. Jay Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. All right, people. I have, to, I have to say, this might be one of the most exciting episodes of Wine 101 that I had a chance to do. And it's because I am, I am obsessed with the United States in wine. I'm obsessed with the fact, like I've always say, I'm always saying this, how we're a young country and our wine industry is even younger. And we have so much to explore. And when we talk about Virginia, it's one of the most exciting places because it's even younger than Washington and Oregon. I mean, it, it, it isn't, but it is, and I'll get into all this. But I also must say that 13 years of my life was spent in the DMV. The DMV is what we refer to as D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And I grew up in a, in a county called Montgomery County. And, um, when I was coming up in the nineties, there was wine was not even a, no one talked about it except for like one winemaker, which I'll get into, but I've, I, 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 I love Virginia <laughs> just as a state. So, and just so you know, because it's a place I used to live, there might be a, a little sidebar or two as I'm talking about this stuff. So let's talk about Virginia and wine. I'm going to make what might be a controversial statement, but I think maybe not. I don't know. I think it's going to work. I Virginia is one of the most historic wine places we have in our country. Um, but it's not until the modern era that we really start to see Virginia shine. Virginia's wine story is really in the 80s, just like a lot of these newer wine regions. But... Obviously, we have to talk briefly about what happened well before the 80s. Actually, let's go about 480 million years into the past. So around that time, 480 million years ago, the Earth was in what it's called the Ordovician period. It's the second of six periods in the Paleozoic era. And this period lasted 41.6 million years. That's how long the it lasted. And it's during this period that on the eastern seaboard of what we will that we know as the United States, 
a mountain range was formed. And this mountain range was as tall as today's Rockies in some parts, the Alps. But over another million or so, (laughs) millions of years, this mountain range began to erode. And today, we know this mountain range as the Appalachian Mountain Range. Yes, I said Appalachian. Now, I know it's also called the Appalachian (laughs) Mountain Range, but I'm half hillbilly, and my family comes from Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alabama. So when I was growing up, we were camping all over the Smoky Mountains, all over the Appalachians, and that's what we call it, the Appalachians. So I apologize. I will be calling it the Appalachians for the duration of this episode. <laughs> the thing is, the word, the Appalachian or Appalachian Mountains, the word Appalachian was derived from a Native American tribe just north of today's Tallahassee, Florida, another place I lived for like eight years. Um, and they were called the Appalachian Nation. And their language is now extinct. But so Appalachian, Appalachian, <laughs> however you want to say it, Spanish conquistadors took that name and applied it to the mountain range. I've actually had, when I was a kid, I actually camped in the Appalachian um, reservation. It was pretty wild. They had these burial mounds, whatever. It was, it was really cool. The Appalachian Mountains run from Newfoundland up in northeastern Canada all the way down to southwest Alabama. That's 1,500 miles north to south. It's about two to 300 miles east to west, depending on where you are in the Appalachians. So as, this, as these mountain ranges start running up through the south towards the Mason-Dixon line, it gets into Virginia. And the mountain range of the Appalachians in Virginia covers mostly the western part, central western part of the state north to west. And here's where we have what's called the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's one of the ranges of the Appalachians. There's also a a very famous valley here called Shenandoah Valley, or the Shenandoah Mountain Range. This is some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen. I love this. I grew up in this area. The Blue Ridge Parkway is absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. Um. And I grew up in this area. I didn't know nowadays it's like all about wine. It's just crazy. And we're going to get into that in a second. But this mountain range that runs through central Virginia is a major concentration of wine activity in Virginia. Mountain ranges, valleys, slopes. Am I right? But there's also wine activity happening towards the coast of Virginia. And that's kind of... That gets us closer to like the origins of wine in America, where you have, and a lot of this is going to be in my three-part series for the history of American wine, so I'm not going to get totally heavy into Virginia's colonial history and all that, Um, but this is where we have James River, and this is where we have the first vines going in to the soil in, I think it was 16, uh, early 1600s, in a town called Jamestown. I'm sure you've heard of it. And it's in Jamestown where it is recorded the first wine being made from indigenous grapes on this country they found. And if you listen to the series I do about American wine history, you'll see how terribly that went. <laughs> and also, it has to be mentioned, but it's also in the, in the American wine history series. This is where Albemarle County is. This is where Thomas Jefferson was advocating for 
wine for this country to be a wine producing country. Actually, he's our first wine advocate. I mean, this guy was being sent wine from all over, up all, all the way through to Ohio. And even if he didn't like the wine, he sent letters back saying, keep going, don't stop. He was that desperate to have this be a wine producing nation. And it is today. So it worked, but it took a long time. And that's why we're not going to talk about the big gap in time for Virginia. I want to start in like the 19, late seventies, early eighties. I don't know what was happening in the sixties for wine in Virginia, but towards the mid to late sixties, there were some farmers that began to convert their farms into vineyards. It was a small push, but it was happening. But by 1979, there were still only six wineries in the entire state of Virginia. Now, 1976 happened, the judgment of Paris and this is when the, the the nation is like, okay, so we're a wine nation now. Thomas Jefferson's like, sweet. And up until the 1980s, there was wine being made in Virginia. I mean, there's been wine being attempted to be made in Virginia since colonial times. It never really stopped. But the problem was, it wasn't really a problem. The thing was, um, the majority of the varieties that were being pra- or used were either the hybrid varieties that were created back in the day during the phylloxera days or... They were international varieties, like Bordeaux varieties, but they just were not planted in the right places. There's a lot of experimentation going on, a lot of trial and error happening in Virginia. And then in 1983, a man named Jim Law and his family moved from California to Virginia, and they land in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and they start a winery. Now, this is not the you know, beginning of everything, but... Whenever you go to Virginia and you talk about wine today, the name Jim Law, who, who him and his family opened something called Linden Vineyards, really is a moment in Virginia that helps to sprout just all these winemakers that stay in Virginia and work on Virginia. They don't go anywhere else. Jim Law at some point starts a internship program. And from what I understand, that internship program was like, look, you can come here and learn under me and my family and my people. But you, when you leave this internship, you can, we want you to stay in Virginia. And because of that, through the 90s, through the 80s and the 90s, we start seeing more and more winemakers finding more and more spots in Virginia to make wine. In 1983, the Shenandoah Valley, which is bordered by the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is where Jim Law was doing his thing, is awarded the first AVA of Virginia. And by the 1990s, there were 50 wineries in Virginia at this time. So it's growing. And this right here is where I think Virginia's wine history really, it doesn't begin, but this is, I should say this, this is the part of Virginia's wine history that you and I can get very excited about because a lot of things happened in the nineties with wine, you know, not only Jim law, but it was a big collaborative decade in Virginia because Virginia is a very difficult place to grow vines. It has a lot of climactic challenges. Um, but like there's climactic challenges everywhere, but it was Virginia's time to figure out what varieties work and what, and what places to, so they can thrive. And it wasn't just a collaborative effort with wineries and winemakers themselves, but the local state government also funneled money into wine. 
in Virginia, they have something called the Governor's Cup, where wines are judged and they get a Governor's Cup trophy. The state government saw a lot of opportunities for wine tourism because of what was happening, the excitement of what was happening with modern wine, and also the aspect of history where, you know, there's Thomas Jefferson and Albemarle County and Monticello and all that. So it's really like right now, right now is the time to get into Virginia. Today, there are over 4,000 acres under vine across the entire state of Virginia. There are 300 and counting wineries in Virginia right now. Okay, and there are, here's the thing. Virginia is happening very fast, like right now. And when you read about Virginia right now, there's really about eight distinct AVAs, one of which I don't even know what's going on, (laughs) but the potential is unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you about some of these places, but the thing is, know that at some point there's going to be more AVAs in Virginia. There's actually one called James River that's near that whole Jamestown area. And I read about it last year becoming an AVA, but as I look into these things, I don't see it as a distinct AVA yet. I need to talk to Virginia people probably like once a month for the next like two years to (laughs) to make sure I understand what's going on there. But here are the places that are currently AVAs. And a quick side note here. Um, as far I, I mean, the people and winemakers of Virginia might say it differently. And if so, Virginia, tell me. But it seems right now in Virginia, there's not like a specific variety for a certain appellation or a certain AVA or a certain variety that's doing well in Virginia. There's a, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> you know, it's not like, well, if you're in New York, you got to have Riesling. If you're in the Willamette Valley, you're going to have Pinot Noir. When you're in Virginia, it's going to be a very wide range of fun. So I'll talk about that after I get all the AVAs out of the way, just to kind of get you guys excited about what's happening in Virginia. Also know that some of these AVAs don't have enough wine coming out of them that you can actually go find them in stores. It's mostly you have to go to Virginia. Oh, and we're going to talk about that. Absolutely. Also, some of the names of these AVAs are really cool. For example, in the eastern part of Virginia towards the coast, we have two AVAs. One that's up in this northern kind of peninsula called the Northern Neck. It's in the Tidewater region of Virginia between the Potomac River and the Rappahannock River. This is called, get ready, Northern Neck George Washington's Birthplace AVA. It's a very long name but it's a really cool name. (laughs) Now, I don't know um, a lot about what's happening here. It's an AVA that I have not been able to try wine from. I don't know how many wineries are there and what's going on, but I'm excited because I'm getting Long Island vibes with that climate, so should be interesting. But one of the advantages of this wine region is what I was reading is that it has more frost-free days than other wine regions, which makes complete sense being on the coast. And frost can seriously damage grapevines. Then just south of that, you have another AVA called Virginia's Eastern Shore AVA. I mean, it's literally 70 miles of Virginia's Eastern Shore. That's literally above, I think, not even 100 feet above sea level. I've heard of a couple wineries in this in this area. I have actually never tried the wine. I would, would love to. And if Virginia, if you're listening... I'd love to try wines from all of your AVAs. Um, but again, 
it's right there on the coast, so I'm not really sure. I'm getting, again, that Long Island vibe. I'm really curious to see what's going on there. So that's the eastern part, and I can't wait to see, like I said, what's coming out of those areas. Uh, but it's in the central western part of the state is where a lot of wine activity is happening. And it's these wineries and these wines and these winemakers here in this part of the state that are causing all of the excitement in the United States about Virginia wine. 50 miles west of D.C. in the Piedmont region of Virginia, which is a big plateau region between the, 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 sea, <laughs> the sea, the ocean, and the mountains, is Middleburg AVA. Just south of that is the first AVA awarded to Virginia called the Shenandoah Valley AVA, and that's bounded by the Blue Ridge. That's where it all kind of began, and the Appalachians, and what's called the Allegheny Plateau. These wines, this is where we're starting to get those really high acid wines I was talking about. Just west of the Shenandoah Valley is the Monticello AVA or Monticello AVA, however you want to pronounce it. But that is, of course, named after Thomas Jefferson's famous estate. And not only is that historically important, but there is the ability to grow vines there and make great wine. South of those two pretty large AVAs, is a smaller AVA on the eastern slopes of the Allegheny Mountains, which is a ridge in, of course, the, the, the Appalachians, is called North Fork of Roanoke AVA. Here, fog is key, along with um, elevations getting up to well over 2,000 feet above sea level. All that is the makings for really awesome mountain fruit and, and awesome wine. And then you have currently what is, I believe, the smallest AVA in Virginia, if not the country. <laughs> it's only 9,000 acres. It's called Rock Knob. It's about, I don't know, it's kind of southeast of the North Fork of Roanoke AVA, and it's extremely mountainous, and it's right near the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is kind of cool, in southwest Virginia. And the concentration of wine is in the eastern slopes of the Blue Ridge Mountain, And what they say here, and what they say here is the elevation of these mountains and very strong westerly winds protect it from any kind of mildew. And those are the main AVAs in Virginia, but there's this one all the way down the south bordering, it actually straddles the border between um, Virginia and North Carolina called Appalachian High Country. It's brand new and there's not a lot going on there, but again, it's very exciting to see how this region is going to develop. So that's an overview of Virginia. But what I have to say is Virginia for a long time was a state that made awesome wine that was very hard to get because the production level of these wines are very small. They are starting to ramp up a little bit. But the thing about Virginia is it's such a beautiful place with the Shenandoah Valley and the Blue Ridge Mountains and the the eastern shore and the historical nature of Monticello or Monticello, however you want to say it. The thing is, you should visit Virginia. I mean, it's an exciting time to visit this new-ish wine country that we have, this old wine country that became new again through modern technology and new collaborations. In 2015, there were 2.3 million visits to Virginia wineries. So it's happening, and the state only has 8.3 million people in it. And Virginia is doing wonderful things with varieties that you know. Cab Franc, Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay. 
but it's also doing amazing things with varieties you may not be familiar with, but are amazing. Like I said, Petite Mansang, it's a blending variety from Southwest France, but it is getting Chardonnay-like vibes in Virginia. They're making great wine from the Tanat grape, another Southwestern variety from France that's also doing a really great job in Uruguay. Also some Petit Verdot and some really nice aromatic Viognier. Recently, a group of winemakers from Virginia came to the Vine Pair offices and they popped some of their bottles for us to try. And I just, I got to say, wine lovers, this is some amazing American wine that's being made in Virginia. It's definitely not only worth paying attention to, but it's worth following. Like, let's watch this wine region develop. I mean, it's already developed, but like, it's going to go further. It's only, this is only the beginning of Virginia. So there's a little overview about Virginia. It's yet another one of our awesome wine regions. It is fairly new, even though it's really, really old. But if you haven't had a chance to try Virginia wine, just go for it. Go out there, buy it, no matter what AVA it's from, no matter what grape it's made from, unless you you want a specific variety, (laughs) and try it. Get that balance. Understand it. Get into it. Virginia's here. I'll talk to you next week. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pear. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pear, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song listen to this and i want to thank the entire vine pair staff for helping me learn something new every day see you next week e and j gallo winery is excited to sponsor this episode of vine pairs wine 101 gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from every day to luxury and sparkling wine i mean gallo also makes award-winning spirits but you know this is a wine podcast so whether you're new to wine or an aficionado gallo welcomes you to wine we look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter cheers visit barrelroom.com today to find your next favorite where shipping is available